Welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show, where our goal is to uncover, dismantle, and to eradicate racism and to create a world where racial equity is the norm. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Let's get started today with our show by doing what we always do, and that is connecting with our center and finding our breath. So I invite you to just simply ground yourself if you're seated connect with the chair or couch or wherever you're sitting and plant your feet firmly on the floor or if you're outside firmly on the ground close your eyes if you would and just take a moment to center yourself connecting with your breath which is your power source to tune into that which gives you life. Take a moment to connect with your divine wisdom, your sacred intelligence, that part of you that helps you to make intelligent choices that will manifest your greatness and the greatness of others. Breathe in and out connecting with this power and understanding that you are loved and you are love itself. Breathe in and out, connecting with your power source, your sacred source, your universal source, your spirit, the earth creation, Connecting with your fellow human beings and understanding that we are a shared humanity. I am because you are and you are because I am. Take a deep breath in, acknowledging those who have come before us, knowing that we are connected with them. And understanding what we do today impacts those who come tomorrow. So just breathe in and out. Connecting with your power source, your divine source, your sacred source, your sacred intelligence. Breathe in and out. Recognizing that the power of one contributes to the power of community and you have the power to change the status quo. Breathe in and out. Now I want you to take a deep breath in, sigh it out, and let's begin. Beloved, we are on the eve, so to speak, of our 4th of July weekend. And I thought today what I would do would share with you a piece from Frederick Douglass's famous speech, What to the Slave is the 4th of July? And I love that a part of that speech, he quoted, the evil that men do lives after them. The good is oft interred with their bones. Now, those of you who are Shakespeareans, you know that that comes from the play Julius Caesar. And what I like about that statement is that it's really true, but it is also true that it is important for you to do good, whether it lives on after you or not. Because I believe that what we do really matters. But I want to share a piece from his poem, a speech, not poem. And I want to invite you to go back and really read the whole thing, because I think it will help you to understand racism in this country, and it will help you to understand what Black and Brown folks feel most often. Douglas says, what to the American slave is your 4th of July? I answer, a day that reveals to him more than all other days in the year, the gross injustice and cruelty 
to which he is the constant victim. To him, your celebration is a sham, your boasted liberty and unholy license, your national greatness, swelling vanity, your sounds of rejoicing are empty and heartless. Your denunciations of tyrannies, brass-fronted impudence, your shouts of liberty and equality, hollow mockery, your prayers and hymns, your sermons and thanksgiving, with all your religious parade and solemnity are to him mere bombast, fraud, deception, impiety, and hypocrisy thin veil to cover up crimes which would disgrace a nation of savages. There is not a nation on the earth guilty of practices more shocking and bloody than are the people of these United States at this very hour. He goes on to say, go where you may. Search where you will, roam through all the monarchies and dispositions of the world. Travel through South America, search out every abuse. And when you have found the last, lay your facts by the side of the everyday practices of this nation. And you will say with me that for revolting barbarity, and shameless hypocrisy, America reigns without a rival. Wow. Those seem like they're harsh words from Frederick Douglass. But I wonder, do they reign true today? This 4th of July, I want to invite you to think about Douglass's words and ponder whether they ring true today. Do they ring true to you? What is this day about? In light of the racism that happens in America as exemplified by mass incarceration, health disparities, educational disparities, and medical disparities for black and brown people, in light of the number of black and brown people who are killed by the police and brutalized, in light of the black and brown people who are at the borders and can't enter our country, in light of our treatment of the LGBTQIA community, in light of patriarchy and religious oppression, that dictates what I, as a woman, can do with my body. What, to the American person, is the 4th of July today? So I want to invite you to think about this national holiday that you are celebrating, a country that is built on violence and oppression, And I want you to ask yourself, what are you celebrating this 4th of July? And why are you celebrating? I'm not saying don't celebrate, because I do think that there are wonderful things to celebrate about this country. But I think that we must face the ills of this country as well, or we will continue to live in a world where racial equity and other forms of Equity will never exist. So celebrate with your family and your friends. But by all means, have the deeper conversation about what the 4th of July means to you. And see if you're celebrating the same things that our forefathers, our foremothers celebrated. Who are you in alignment with today? And are you who you think yourself to be? Because all too often I hear people say, I'm not a racist, I'm not a homophobic, I'm not a xenophobic, I'm not any of those things. But until you can really deal with the history of this country, and until you can make a commitment to right the wrongs of this country, I challenge you to think about whether you're in alignment with who you think 
yourself to be. So what to you is the 4th of July? Think on these things this weekend as we celebrate this national holiday. Today on the show, we are going to be talking about taking responsibility for white male fragility. And what's really interesting about my guest who will be on the show today is that when we planned for him to be on the show, we didn't really know what was happening in this country. We knew about the conversation around Roe versus Wade, but it was prior to the recent rulings of the Supreme Court. So I'm delighted that he has come to take part in this conversation. And I especially want to invite those of you who are listening on Facebook, if you have questions for me or my guest today, by all means, put it in the comments on Facebook and we will get them and we will try to respond to those questions because we're going to have a great show today talking about the oppressive structures that are in place like supremacy, patriarchy, and, you know, really all of the ways in which we oppress people. We can only handle so much today, but we can at least deal with white male patriarchy today for sure, uh, because my guest today is Boysen Hodgson, excuse me. He is the communications director for the Mankind Project, and we're going to learn a little bit more about that, but it's a nonprofit organization that uh, is conducting transformational programs for men and supporting a network of men. And they serve over 10,000 men every week trying to change the ways in which men show up. And I, for one, am delighted about that. But Boysen is the author of The New Macho, a 21st century credo for the nature of, for the mature masculine individual. And I want him to come on and to share about his work, but there's so much about Poison that is fascinating because um, Boysen is the proud adoptive dad of two children who are of color. And so Boysen comes not only from the perspective of a white male who's trying to change how men in general think about masculinity, but he comes also with the perspective of raising two beautiful individuals who are of color. And so I want to talk with Boysen today about uh, all of this, but Boysen, I want to welcome you to the show and then tell you we have to take a quick break. So welcome, welcome, welcome to the show today. Oh my God, what a wind up. My goodness. Thank you. Yes. Glad to I be here. I am so delighted. So, so delighted to have you. And so boys, and we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're ready to jump in, right? I'm staying. That's a yep. great conversation. So this is the Dismantle Racism show. We have to take a break. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy. And I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you? 
you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. the Dismantle Racism show. And my guest today is uh, Boysen Hodgson. And Boysen, today we're talking about taking responsibility for white yes. male fragility. So let's get into it. Um, you know, I want to start um, by allowing you just an opportunity really to reflect on the opening of the show and what came up for you as we we're talking about uh, what to the slave, what to the black and brown person, what to the American is the 4th of July. That's beautiful. As soon as you started opening and saying, okay, today I'm going to read a piece. I was like, it's going to be Frederick Douglass. <laughs> and, and I knew, I like knew exactly where we were going there. And I think it's so on point for the conversation that we're having because, you know, white guy like me and most of the white guys that I know that is an uncomfortable speech to listen to mm. and fragility the way that it shows up for me and the way that it shows up for a lot of us it's like it's the but 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 mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know and listening to those words from 100 more than 150 years ago is yeah. like wow that's still true but 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 you know and and that's what it is and so i think that you know if there's anything that we get out of this whole 45 minutes is for guys like me when you start hearing that but 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 come up in your mind and in your body it's like that's the time to stop and reflect mm, mm. and so i'm very curious about the buts Tell me about some of those buts and what you would say to white men about those buts. You know, you can't list them all, but maybe one or two. What are what are one or two buts that you often hear when you're talking to other white men? Because I know the conversation differs. Yeah, the conversation definitely differs. Probably the biggest one and the fastest one that comes up was, but I had nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? But I had nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. And and we have to start to draw distinctions like, okay, yes, you weren't alive then. But now let's look at how we, how I mm -hmm. currently benefit and still reap mm -hmm. the rewards of that system of enslavement mm -hmm. that happened in the United States all that time ago what are the ripple effects that have continued to impact our entire society and how we relate to everyone in the society mm -hmm. that started back then so and there's a really clear distinction that we talk about in in the mankind project in men's work is like i don't have to take on blame or shame but taking on responsibility for the truth of what's happening is a different emotional experience, is a different physical experience. Yes. Yeah. And feeling blamed and attacked. And like, that's where that's, that's the fragility, right? I feel blamed. I feel attacked. I want to fight back. I want to defend myself. I want to say, but it's better now, but it's different than it was, but I wasn't there, but those weren't my ancestors and all of those things. 
boys and you know I, I have to tell you one thing though that comes up for me when people yeah. when, when people say but i wasn't there right and you're saying that take responsibility for the privileges that you're currently experiencing but i think from where i stand there's another responsibility as well and and that is not just take responsibility for the privileges but take responsibilities for the way you show up in the world because white quite quite frankly white men show up like they own the world and i would say white people but since we're talking about white patriarchy uh and and obviously i don't mean every single individual but there's a way in which you move freely through this world that a black man or even i as a black woman cannot move freely through the world yes and there needs to be a responsibility for that by understanding that you do so that you can recognize when equity is not showing up and i think about it because it's a given for white men yeah. And I'm reflecting on a something that happened very recently where this white man that I know was being interviewed for something and he just sort of took over the interview. Like, yeah, I'm here. I'm the white man. I've shown up. And it was so evident to me. But I don't think he was conscious of it at all. And so I think a part of the responsibility mm-hmm. is in addition to looking at the privilege is to look at how you move through the world. Yes. Beautifully said. Um, and the depth of, so for, for me, you know, part of this exploration has been to really get self-aware and go in and explore how deep the programming is in me mm, mm. that has me do things like that. The, the unconsciousness with which I move through the world and uh, take over meetings, mm. interrupt, mm-hmm. explain things that I don't have expertise in, you know, <laughs> like all of all of those kinds of things that. Um, but I'm not that guy. And there it is again. There's that fragility. But I'm not that guy. But I'm not like that. But mm. not all men. Right. It's that it's that whole thing. Right. Not all men, not all white people, all of those things, but it's the water that we're in. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's two fish, two fish swimming side by side. And one fish says to the other, hey, how's the water today? Mm-hmm. And the other fish says, what water? Yeah. Like yeah. it is the environment that I was born into. It is the messages that I got from birth. It is the messages that were reinforced by the community that I grew up in and by the schools that I grew up in, by what I saw on television, by what, you know, it's just completely unconscious. So being confronted with something like Frederick Douglass's speech, it's like, oh shit, it starts unraveling things. And mm-hmm. the brain then, it, then for a lot of us, so fragility, where we go is fight, flight, freeze, or fawn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So how can I how can I look at that, see my reactions, get conscious from an outside perspective about how I'm reacting and then choose differently in the moment? So how do you help men become conscious around patriarchy? But in particular, how do you help people and men, because your work is with the Mancan Project, become conscious around race and racism? with difficulty is what I'm going to say. And, and I'm speaking from, you know, I, I work, I'm an employee of the mankind project and I'm also speaking from my perspective here in the mankind project. So I am not the universal mankind project. I am not the representative of all men in the mankind project and with difficulty. So that coming to consciousness about uh, disconnecting to be able to look at the word patriarchy, to be able to look at that as a conceptual, as a systemic thing, that's a difficult hurdle for a lot of white men to even get to, mm-hmm. men in general, for a lot of men in general to even get to. Yeah. 
right? Without going to, you're shaming me, you're blaming me, you're attacking me, you're like all of these things. No, let's, let's take a step back from that. Mm -hmm. To look from the outside to say, okay, what is this systemic thing that men and women are participating in that white people and people of color are participating in, mm -hmm. right? That mm -hmm. we are all part of. And is it, is this the way that we want it to be? Is a dominance-based, oppression-based, hierarchical-based way of being where some people are assumed to be in the top positions by birth, by whatever, mm -hmm. you know. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and then it's like having to balance, having to be in the paradox. This is one of the words that I wrote down. Having to be in the polarities and the paradox of this is an intellectual and systemic and academic concept that we're having that has powerful, somatic, emotional impacts. Well, it's interesting that you, you say that because even culturally and, and then the trainings that I do when we kind of talk about the characteristics of whiteness versus of blackness or something right. for white people, it's always about that typically. And research has shown this. So this isn't just the words of Reverend Dr. TLC. It comes from research where they've looked at characteristics of whiteness, blackness, et cetera that for white folks, it's about the academic and the intellectual. And for people of color, there is the emotional piece that's in it because we're the ones who are often uh, on the other side of whatever all of this other stuff is over here. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I think the emotional piece comes up though, when white folks begin to talk about, well, like, don't blame me, right? It was, and I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that as a person mm -hmm. of color. Well, don't blame me. I didn't own uh, slaves, but we say, now we say enslaved, right? Mm -hmm. Because to say slave is to dehumanize the folks. But interestingly, one might say, well, did my ancestors? And we could, we could get on that conversation as well. But like, did my ancestors? And then again, how do I benefit from it? And we're all in this vortex and we've all learned to respond in a certain way based on being in it. Now, yeah. boys, and of course, I have more questions for you, but we do need to take a break. And I'd like to do that before delving into my next question that I really want to ask you, but just so that you can be thinking about it during the break, mm -hmm. what do you think white men fear the most? Now, I know I've had some conversation with you about this, but I want you to share with our audience, what do you think white men fear the most? Because I believe that a lot of fear is happening in this country right now. And we want to take people back, not just 50 years, but we want to take people back hundreds of years. Mm. And you know, we might say, oh, we'll never go back to the enslavement time or this and that. I don't know what this country will do because we've seen a lot of fear raise its ugly head and we've seen a lot of things come out of the woodworks that were just kind of buried, right? So yeah. when we come back, I'd love for you to talk about that a little Thank bit. Thank you. Mm -hmm. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. We'll be right back. Howdy, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. 
Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauber, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. The Dismantle Racism Show. My guest today is Boyson Hodgson, and he is with the Mankind Project. But before the break, I ask you, Boyson, to think about what it is that white men fear the most. So I would love for you to share with our audience what your perspective is on that. I lots of things and how can i sum how can i sum up right how can i sum up and what do white men fear the most and i think it's losing our self-perception as losing power is kind of the at at the core of it but Mm -hmm. i think it goes all the way back to our attachment systems right i I am told that I am something in the world and my self image and my self, my ability to self reference is based on that program Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and losing that, having that threatened by, by a conversation that kind of exposes all of these unconscious things. I, my sense of self, Mm -hmm. My mm-hmm. sense of who I am in the universe is called into question. Yeah. Right. Michael Kimmel um, has written about aggrieved entitlement. Mm. So I'm programmed into a sense of entitlement, into a sense of power, into a sense of who I am in the world, what I'm supposed to be in the world based on this. And when that is threatened, this fragility kicks in. Yeah. So that I will do what I can to try and maintain that self-image even if it doesn't serve me and even if it doesn't serve anyone else so boys and i want to remind you of the way you phrased it though when you and i last time and i had a conversation about this before and here's what you said which had such power to it and i want you to speak to it i i love what you said just now yes i want to share what you said before when I asked you, what do you think white men fear the most? You said dominion overall. <laughs> and if quiet violence doesn't work, yeah, we'll go to the next level. Yeah. Say more about that. Yeah, that's beautiful. So yeah, power, right? Dominion overall. Mm-hmm. I, whether conscious or not, I was born into a world and born into a frame of reference that said, I am the inheritor of the earth mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a white man. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that's still, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, however, however, actually physically true it is for me personally, me as an individual, as a group and as a dynamic and as a system, that's what I was born into, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you and I talked about, so say more, and I'm going to reference somebody who I adore. Um, I'm going to reference Bell Hooks, who passed away last year. Mm-hmm. And this quote from uh, her book, The Will to Change, mm-hmm. the first act of violence that patriarchy demands of males is not violence toward women, Instead, patriarchy demands of all males that they engage in acts of psychic self-mutilation, that they kill off the emotional parts of themselves, and 
Yes, right? And this and if an individual is not successful in emotionally crippling himself, he can count on patriarchal men to enact rituals of power that will Ooh. assault his self-esteem. Ooh. Ooh. So, right? Wow. So like like wow. Just sitting with that. Yes. So, thank you Bell Hooks and I have learned so much about men's work and men's psychic experiences from listening to black women <laughs> about that outside perspective is like take a look mm -hmm. mm. here's the mirror yeah take a look how's that feel mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and when i have reflected on these those words and other words like it it's like deep down it's like oh yeah something started training me from very very early that if i wanted to keep this dominance that I had to enact that dominance on others. Yeah. And cut off a piece of yourself and cripple myself. And wow. this is what I think that for me in the mankind project and having worked with men for 18 years, seeing psychic transformations happen in men is that so many men are just walking wounded. Mm-hmm by the things that we have cut off in ourselves, mm. by the things that we have lost our ability to be in our emotions, to be in our vulnerability, to be in our sensitivity. I was terrified of this. So here's my vulnerability, right? I was, I've been afraid of this conversation. Mm -hmm. I've been nervous about this conversation with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And so what do, what do I, what would I normally do, right? Avoid it, power through it, get invulnerable, armor up against it. And that's what I was taught to do. And that's what we're taught to do as men. And mm -hmm. this is not just white men. Mm -hmm. right? Oh, I, I for yeah, sure know for that. Sure. Listen, yeah. I, 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 we, we're talking about patriarchy. Yeah. So I get it and I understand it. And, um, you know, but so much of our system is built on white supremacy because there yeah. are in some countries right and some uh countries of color where women actually are the ones who rule and and so when the more we become acclimated in this country though it becomes a patriarchal system as opposed to a matriarchal system um but look here's the thing i understand and you are not the only one. Every time I have a white male on the show, they say the same thing. Like, what are you going to do? Like, like, am I going to come on the show and you're going to drag me through the mud? That is not the goal of this show. But the, but the goal is to eradicate racism. And I yeah. think it begins with white men doing their part to eradicate racism. And so I make no bones about that. Um, I think it's important for us to have the dialogue because if we don't have the dialogue and I think it's important for us to do it afraid. So yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. if you, if you are a little afraid to be on here, okay, I got it. I got it. But, but the point is, and as you are doing right now is to deal with your fragility, mm. right? Because I have to show up every day in a world that tells me that I'm less than, as a black person mm -hmm. and as a woman. And I cannot allow my fragility to show because if I do, I will just continue to be taken down, taken down, taken down, taken down. And so that's why we, particularly as, I can't speak for black men because I'm not a black man, but as black women, that's why we sometimes carry this banner of, I'm a strong black woman. Right. And unfortunately, it could be dangerous to us sometimes yeah. because we can take on too much. But that's not the show we're having today. Yeah. We're talking about white men. <laughs> and so I want to stay with this, this yeah. uh, conversation around uh, fragility and just the work that you do and kind of think about, you know, there's so many questions I want to ask you about. And mm -hmm. one in particular um you know, you've been doing this work and understanding racism for a long time. And I'm curious to know when you first began to notice 
racism. And then the second thing is, if we have time before the break, otherwise we'll come back to it, is how does your whiteness, and particularly as a white male, how does that show up in the way you parent your children of color? Woo, those are two huge questions. I know. So we'll only probably get to one. So just tell me, tell me about yeah, when you, you kind of put it in the show description leading up. I grew up in in upstate New York, northwest of Syracuse, New York, near Lake Ontario, in a place that is very, very homogenous culture. It is very white Christian upstate New York. I grew up in the 315 area code. Mm. And if you're in New York, if you're in upstate, you kind of know what that means, right? Um, there's there's a lot of programming that kind of goes along with that. To say, I didn't know, I, I knew one family of color in the town that I grew up in and went to elementary school in, and then one family of color in the town that I went to middle school and high school in. That mm -hmm. was my entire experience. Mm -hmm with black people mm. mm -hmm. until I got to college and moved to Ithaca, New York and attended Cornell University and began to see a whole like, oh my goodness, there's two worlds. There's two worlds. On the Cornell campus, there were two worlds. There was a black Cornell and there was a white Cornell. Yeah. Right? There were black fraternities and white fraternities. Separate, very separate. Um, and even when I, when I left Cornell, I stayed in Ithaca, New York. Ithaca, New York is a beautiful, wonderful, idyllic little bubble of a liberal place in upstate New York. And the entire black community in, in Ithaca, New York, aside from some academic kind of different, you know, there's class distinctions that we can look at here too, but um, I see two minutes. Um, the entire black community was in one part of Ithaca. And there were edge zones, right? Mm -hmm. There were those yeah. edge zones. Don't cross those edge zones. Yes. Mm -hmm. So when the Buffalo shooting happened just a few weeks ago, it happened at a top supermarket. Mm -hmm. Top supermarket was what was down at the end of Wood Street mm -hmm. from where I live. And mm -hmm. that was in that edge zone, right? The top supermarket was where the black community went to shop. Yeah. In Ithaca, New York. Mm-hmm. And that was the that became part of my awakening to holy shit, what is going on here? Mm -hmm. And what was I programmed into believing? Mm -hmm. Can I just say how important what you just said is to the consciousness of white folks? Because I remember, you know, I went to school in New York and I went to Hofstra University for my PhD. And I remember the lines, yep. you know, from Hempstead to Garden City to all these other places. And it was so stark, so very stark. And I think that white folks can live in a bubble if they stay just in those zones. But you know that if you cross a line and things are different, that means that there's something wrong with this world that is drastically different. And you know, if you have an issue with believing that black folks should be in your community, that if you have a thought yes. when you drive through your community yes. and you see a black person there and you say, do you belong here? That tells you how deep racism is in this country. And so one of the ways in which white folks can wake up is to begin to say, wait, what questions am I asking myself? Yes. You know, and then say, where did that thought come from? Yes. Because it means something. I have to do that even with other groups. I have to do it even within my own group. Say, why did you ask yourself that question? About, about anything where I'm trying to grow. And I go back to how I've been indoctrinated. I have to say, well, wait a minute. Why is that the case? And so for people who pretend like they don't know that racism exists in this country, it, it's appalling. Because all you have to do really is to open your eyes and you can see it everywhere. There are places I go and I 
go walk on the boardwalk and it's nice and it's beautiful. You know, you look out into, you know, the Long Island Sound and you see the beaches and you see very few people of color. And these folks are taking it for granted. And I think about all the kids who grow up who will never know anything about going to a beach. Never be able to really appreciate the sunset in the same way because there's nothing like seeing the sunset at the beach or the sunrise, right? You know, I'm just using these as examples. And so it really is time for white folks to wake up and it's time for white men in particular to wake up, all right? And so- I know that we have to take a break, but when we come back in our last few minutes, I really do want you to share a bit, if you could, parenting. about parenting as a white man yes. to children of color, because there's this whole conversation is that all you need is love. Nah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, and. Yes. So we'll be right back with uh, my guest today. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers... Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. And in our last few minutes of the show, what can you tell us about raising children of color as a white man? Perhaps what some of your learning has been, maybe some of your mistakes, wherever you'd like to go that would be helpful for our listening audience. Thank you. So I think that you you brought something into the conversation that I think is really important has been really important for me to learn as as a white dad um, with kids of color, which is those lines that I started seeing. The way to parent for me has been to learn how to cross those lines. Mm. And I think that there's a distinction, right? I'm an adoptive dad and. For some, like in the fostering and adoption community, there's kind of this idea that they parent white parents who end up adopting kids of color kind of try to bring their kids of color completely into the white world, quote unquote, right? Mm -hmm. Completely into this kind of assimilation, assimilation thing. And my wife and I very early on made 100% conscious choices about where we were going to live to parent the neighborhood that we were going to have our house in so that our kids can walk out the door and see people of color every single day, hear Spanish spoken. My kids are Mm Afro-Caribbean, hear Spanish spoken every day, be in schools where there are teachers of color, be in schools where there are more kids of color, 
be in majority places where where they are not in the minority as kids of color mm. and for me being a white parent doesn't mean that I get to say things like, oh, I'm not racist. My kids are black. Mm. Like bullshit. I'm sorry, I swore on your show. Like being a white parent to kids of color means I get to see with rare clarity just how racist (laughs) my programming is Mm -hmm. and the things around me. Like Mm -hmm. I traveled with my kids. I've done road trips with my kids. And going into, you know, traveling south and going into little convenience stores out on the highways and watching how the people behind the counter, when they don't know that I'm the dad, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are interacting with my kids. And then how it immediately flips as soon as they recognize that I'm the dad. Yeah. And that's crazy. And and. And it's not just South. I want people. To... Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. it's it's all over. And you know where where we live, most of the places we go, we are interacting with other people of color as the cashiers and the people behind mm-hmm. the counter and all of all of those kinds of places and things. So waking up for me has been being willing to go where my kids are going in their minds and how they see the world to try and see the world through their eyes Mm. and experience what they're experiencing without getting into again, this white male fragility, this sensitivity, right? Oh no, it's not that bad. Oh no, that's not what you experience, right? How many times have you heard that? Yes. I I'm so glad that you're bringing that up because I know uh, from talking to many kids of color who are raised by white parents, there's like, oh, no, that's not what it was. Yeah, I think they know. I think they know what it was. Right? Yeah. But there's... I wonder, but I wonder, yeah. boys, if your consciousness, because you already conscious about race before you adopted your children, whether your consciousness opened you up to see to see racism and that it made you willing to go there across that racial line. I think that that's true for my wife and I, that we had both, we had both dedicated time and energy and study to being in these conversations and to looking at disparities and looking at confronting some of this stuff and being a parent in the way that we parent makes it way more real mm-hmm. right it's way more real on a daily basis and it, it has it impacts the choices that we make every day mm. about how we how we parent how we raise our kids and the things that we have the opportunity to provide i get to use my white privilege in an effective way to help change some of the systems you know confrontations and conversations that we've had with teachers and administrators in school systems over the past five years. Yeah. Exactly. Say, hey, look, hello. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, if it's happening to your child it's happening to other children and there's a different, there could be a different outcome depending on the parent. But one thing Absolutely I want to ask right. you before we, we run out of time, uh, really are the assumptions that folks make about you adopting children of color around this sort of savior complex. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, that's a, that's a rough one. Um, so what I'll say is that we did, when my wife and I decided that we would become adoptive parents, um, the way that Department of Children and Families in Massachusetts works is they say, you know, are there are there any things that are absolute no's for you? So for us, that was like violent against pets or other, you know, other people like there were some pieces of that that we knew that that wasn't going to be possible for us. Race was not part of that for us. So the fact that our kids, that was the call we got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. 
and they're what I get from other white people, especially, and I have to push back against this a lot is you is this whole story about you saved those kids lives kind mm -hmm. of story. And it's like, no, these kids, these kids had lives, right? These kids, I'm providing what I can to these kids, but in some ways having white parents has made their lives more difficult. Mm. Ooh, that now, you know what? It, 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 we're at the end of the show, but that's a conversation in and of itself because people don't understand that, right? Yeah. They don't understand now what your kids have to navigate. Yeah. And the kids have to navigate that every day. Who do they tell? Who? How do they talk about that? What do they, it's obvious, you know, this was so clear when we were very early on in our adoption journey. Um, we would go to places and the kids would want to go with mama or with papa, but not with both of us together. Because when all four of us together, it was obvious to anyone in the room that those kids were adopted. Mm. Poison. He, he has come back. We, I think we need to have a whole another conversation just about transracial uh, adoption, which I've had on the show uh, before, but not with a white male. Yeah. Poison, we have talked a lot today about white male fragility and some ways in which white men in particular can change the system. So I want to thank you so, so much for being on the show. Can you tell us really, really quickly how people can get in touch with you? Go to uh, my website, boysenh.com, boysenh.com, and for the Mankind Project, mkpusa.org, mkpusa.org. And if you're a man looking to get into the deep emotional work to uncover and unlearn some of the systemic stuff that you've been taught about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a white guy, here's an opportunity. And we will have Boysen's information posted. Thank you so much, Boysen, for being my guest today. Thank you all for listening. And stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he will help you walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. May today you tap into that sacred part of you that allows you to make choices to manifest not only your good, but the good of others. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? 
or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 